Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joyous Conversations with me, your guest, Joy McCassie. Uh, and this is the second episode in our Black History Month block, and I'm very happy to have a good friend of mine joining us, uh, Liam Hesselwood. Liam, why don't you introduce yourself and let everyone know how we know each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Liam Hesselwood. I'm very, very pleased to be here with you, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we know ourselves from the, uh, we know ourselves, we know each other from the, <laughs> the, tech, the tech metal community um, and just general banter online, don't we? So it's, it's just nice to chat with you now and again, and it's nice to actually make this official and get a recording down with you so people know that we're actually friends <laughs> <laughs> yes. i was just laughing because just thinking we know we know ourselves it's like that sounds way too philosophical it's like do i know myself <laughs> how do i know myself <laughs> how, can, yeah. how can one down know oneself when uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah no i was gonna say that i've been thinking about that way too much in my life it is worrying <laughs> Oh, well, we've made it this far. Indeed we did. Indeed we have. Indeed we did. Indeed we have. Oh, dear God. So, um, uh, usually, um, I'll just let people know this is our second try because internet shenanigans ended up, well, cutting the first time that we ended up having this conversation. I'm sure everyone who's been locked in due to COVID knows that internets are tricky. Zoom calls, for instance. So, we're going to go through this again. Um. Uh, usually at the start, I ask my guests what song that they've been having in their head or listening to. Uh, Liam went through a few, so I'm going to have to ask him to, unfortunately, go through those again. That's all right. So um, I, run a, I run a radio show, so fortunately, my ears are being kept fresh with stuff all the time. Um, and I came across Auden Ogan the other day, which is kind of like, I, I kind of want to call it speed metal. It's... Um, it's reminiscent of some of like the faster paced like Nightwish stuff, but a bit heavier. Um, it's kind of stuff that you'd expect on like like Burnout Revenge soundtrack, you know, like racing game or something like that. Um, so I've been listening to that, and it's absolutely getting put on my car playlist. And uh, and yeah, some some acoustic stuff as well. Like I, I've been listening to a little bit of Fink recently. Um, he's an artist I've listened to for years, um, but yeah, I love his stuff. So um, now and again, that is getting played. That's good. Um, and when you mentioned the acoustic stuff, I ended up also talking about just Newton Faulkner because I really like his um, music and how he plays guitar and just his voice is just amazing. And I wish that he was more popular than he is because that yeah. man is talented. Yeah, he he, he has such a rich voice uh, it kind of speaks for itself doesn't it he's um he's a he's definitely an acquired taste i think um and maybe not so much what people are after but i think when people give it a chance and they sit down and listen to his music i think more people find that they stay longer than they thought they would um i love his stuff i love his music well yeah he is and also we ended up talking about john gone because in the world of world, just acoustic guitarist, that man is is a god. He is just so amazing. It is, it is amazing how talented that guy is. It's to to anyone who's not seen John Gom, just go on YouTube and look for Passion Flower. You you will not regret it. Trust me. Yeah, his music's insane. You you mentioning earlier how um, 
you know, during Passion Flower, like he, he retunes, like he detunes, retunes his uh, strings as well while he's singing as well at points. Um, very talented guy. Oh, yeah, like the multitasking, like the practice that requires for that to begin with before we even talk about the multitasking is astounding. Mm. Yeah, it is so scary. But uh, with me, the song that I've been having in my head, because that's the point that I was uh, speaking about earlier when, when we said when you get a song in your head and then you ended up talking about yourself and Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about that again in a minute. <laughs> okay, we're going to get to a nerdy section, so don't worry about it. But yeah, so um, before we started earlier, when you heard me singing about the health checks, um, uh, I was singing Dreams by Fleetwood Mac because... Room, yeah, like Rumors as an album is amazing. It's the the fact that they even managed to make that album to those who know the history is a testament to stubbornness or work ethic. I'm not so sure. I don't know how they made it through, to be honest. I mean, there's so much drama going on with that band that it's something that people still talk about today, you know? Yeah, no, it's 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 not often that you're in a band, it's like oh, I'm with my ex who wrote a song about me and I'm having to sing that song with my ex in the band on a tour. Yay. Yeah, that wouldn't happen, I'm afraid. <laughs> nope. It's like, nope, I am not doing that. <laughs> Hell no. No, 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 no. But no, it's... And they have... I think Fleetwood Mac is just one of those bands that are just eternal. And I remember just... Um, one of the things that I really like doing is uh, going on the interwebs, uh, YouTubes, and watching people react to things that they haven't heard before. And just seeing people react to Fleetwood Mac is just amazing because they've not heard that music before. And it's just so golden. And you can feel that it's captured them and that they're just enraptured with the emotion in the songs because they, they write just really good songs. It's like ABBA, but for woodland elven elven <laughs> creatures. It's mystical ABBA. <laughs> that, I, that is a good way to, 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 to explain them, yeah. Mystical ABBA. Okay. Um, another one that's quite funny, um, if you want to have a good laugh, just go on YouTube and find people reacting to Ginger Pisces. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ginger are insane. But like the, I think if you've not heard their music before and you you hear the the drop section in that and you know it's such a pleasant tune to start with and you'll have people be like oh this is nice this is lovely <laughs> and, it, and like drops with those screams and you're like holy mama um, <laughs> yeah yeah incredible but yeah some of the reactions are, are hilarious oh no they are and I live for that because it's just. It's just getting to see people's faces just change. It's like, what, 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 what? This isn't what I signed up for. What is this? Yeah. 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 Incredible. Incredible band as well. Like, the, like, instrumentally, like, they're all talented. Vocals, instrumental, all of it. Like, every single member of that band is ridiculously talented. Oh, yeah. No, they are. And also, talking about just talented bands, um, another reaction that I like is um, Polyphia Goat, because that is the ultimate flex song for for just instrumentals it's like let's go ham guys yeah the that song the the, the intricacy in, in that tune is insane like 
I, I kind of was a bit late to the party with Polyphia, and I picked up when they released Lit, and loved it. I loved that as a single. I thought the video was kind of cute. And then when they released Goat, I was just, I was like, okay, this is this is some serious stuff now. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, really taken with it, and uh, incredible. Like, I played it to, to a couple people who are, are not into the genre, they're not into that kind of music and they're like, nah, this is, this is amazing. So, you know, it definitely has some universal popularity. I know it does. I mean, uh, I once react, I, I once called uh, Polyphia basically gentle wedding music. It's just nice and upbeat and happy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And it's just so nice, and I, I can't wait to see them live, because that would just be amazing. I can't wait to see anyone live. Like, oh, yeah. any, anything. Like, I'll, I'll quite happily go into work, and it'll be like going to a gig or a concert, you know? Just back in back at no, doing normal things, meeting normal people, greeting people. Good morning, how are you? It'll be like, it'd be such a weird experience. It really is, and I, I'm the same because you, you realize, especially with the year that we've had, that we take a lot of things for granted that you never really think will be taken away. Until there, it's like, damn, never thought that I miss hugging people so much. Mm, yeah, it's a strange one. I'm quite a huggy person, and um, like, as much as I miss it. I'd, I'd rather everyone was COVID free. <laughs> so I'm like, that is true. I'm quite happy keeping the distance. But yeah, I, I do miss it. I found myself thinking about this just literally a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, I, I missed that. I saw someone in the street earlier today. I had to nip outside my flat and I saw someone in the street, um, someone that I know, not a random person. And uh, <laughs> and uh, it was really strange, you know, just kind of like you almost want to reach out and be like, friend. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really odd time. And I, I guess you can look at the negatives of, of COVID and be like, no, you know, we've wasted all this time. And I've been guilty of it myself thinking, you know, this has been a waste of a year and it's time we're never going to get back. But at the same time, it's also kind of enriching because we've had the, the experience of knowing what it's like to not be able to be around the people that you care about and love. Um, I'm sure that we're all going to be way more sociable when this is finished than we probably ever would have considered previously. So that's not a bad thing. Oh yeah, no, that's so true. And I think it has, <clears throat> I, I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I'm not going to mention them right now because it was a well private conversation, but we we spoke about how COVID has, in a way, kind of helped a lot of people take stock on things, especially, well, men, because, it, it, real talk, a lot of, well, men, it men, we don't really deal with our mental health that well. We don't really address things that well. And we have a tendency to just keep things just down because, well, a lot of us are taught from a very young age that we have to be quote-unquote manly and just not well deal with our issues in a healthy manner and then it ends up manifesting itself at times in not so positive ways and just the times that we've had alone a lot of people have started to say you know what there's some things that I need to work on there's some things that I need to do to become better and it, it, it is a weird you know positive byproduct in a way that 
once you realize that, you know, maybe I need to work on a few things, that is a helpful thing because so many men end up suffering in just silence by themselves or just not really reaching out or talking to people or looking for help because that is not what we are told to do. We're just told to keep on trucking. But COVID has helped put some of these things into perspective. And if that has helped you guys, I would hope that, well, to any people who are listening, if you've had that, well, kind of cathartic moment that it's, I hope that it has helped and that you're now looking for the help that you know that you might need. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's a tough time. And we all need, even if we can't just be in each other's company, we can at least pick up the phone. That is true. Yeah, you will be surprised how far a phone call ends up going because it is, yeah, you'll be surprised how far just speaking to someone ends up going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is something that I think most of us are just finding out as time goes on, especially as we are not all together. Yeah. Yeah. 13 minutes so far, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, funny thing, though, um, talking about just uh, people speaking, um, trying to connect with people and not being next to them. Uh, It's a bit weird, I think, for people like me and others, uh, well, I say people like me and myself, really, who are immigrants, because for us, we we are already kind of accustomed to just WhatsApping our relatives and calling them on screens. (laughs) Mm, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it feels weird that the whole world is now doing that it's like well we just early to the to the trend what happened guys <laughs> yeah. you guys should be dishing out leaflets on how to do it for the rest of us <laughs> it's like make sure you have a stable connection um depending <laughs> on who you're speaking to just limit your time they might be there with you for a while <laughs> we've had experience with this yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the new life that we're in now, so it is what it is. Hopefully it won't be for too long, though. Hopefully we'll be back to normal soon enough. Well, back to normal, <laughs> but better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, fingers crossed, knock on wood. So this is still a music podcast, even though we'll be talking a lot about life. So um, as we're talking about music, you yourself are a vocalist in a metal band, yes? I am, yeah. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying? Everyone wants to be the vocalist. I want, well, I wanted to be a vocalist once before, but now I'm like, you know what? I'll just stick with my podcasting and other things. I can hold a note. Still okay just being here. I hide better. (laughs) You should, you should pursue it, man. I've heard you. So, yeah, do it. You darling, you, you charmer. But yeah, so, um, as I was saying that you're in a metal band, how did you end up getting into metal? Because um, this will become a just a trend in the whole just block here. Metal isn't really seen as a black genre, so I'm always interested, especially with black people. It's like, how did you get into metal? Because uh, so this is a very open question. Um, so, so I got into metal. Um, probably, I mean, my first introduction to like heavy rock was my my own father. He listened to like Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and stuff like that. And I know that doesn't really count, but it's definitely like gateway stuff, you know? Um, and then for me, I think it was The Matrix that was the. <laughs> the <stuff laughs> that point. Yeah. So, like, obviously, uh, Rob Zombie and. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was Rob Zombie, Rage Against the Machine as well. Um, 
and that just kind of like kickstarted me. And around the same time, you had like the birth of new metal. Uh, so there was like uh, Linkin Park just released One Step Closer. So I literally Ooh, yeah. went on. I went on Napster and got like all of their unreleased stuff that's never seen the light of day, like even now. So um, <laughs> all those demos. Um, but yeah, I went to see. Uh, I was invited uh, by a, a guy in my class at the time to go and see Pantera. It was wow. 1999 and the Reinventing the Steel tour. And um, that was that was pretty incredible. I mean, I wasn't aware of like uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil Anselmo and uh, how much they loved the Confederacy at the time. But, you know, it was an experience nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, that was my first real concert and uh, it was sweaty and it was scary uh, for young Liam at the time. Um, and I was uh, I'm raised in a in a Jehovah's Witness household, so I mean it wasn't really something I was shouting about to my parents going to see, but uh, they somehow managed to let me go in anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean um, it's funny that you mentioned Phil Anselmo because I uh, see I want to say I love Pantera, but now I say I like Pantera because <laughs> that's the yeah. thing. Phil, like the band themselves, is are great, and Phil Antomo is an amazing vocalist. Cemetery Gates, those high notes are just phenomenal. They still blow my mind listening to that. But then when I think about that, I think of him just being on a stage saying "White Power." So you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, yeah. A little bit problematic, isn't it? Mm. A little bit, really. <laughs> yeah, understatement of the century. <laughs> understatement of the century. There, mm. it, it is. It is a bit of a thing, though. That I think it it doesn't end up helping. Just trying to get other black people into metal because they're like, get into metal. It's amazing. It's like, yeah, but 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 there's people like that. It's like, I see your point. Yeah, yeah it's. it's, it's... <laughs> It's such a shame because if you think about it as well, I mean, you know this as well as I do, that, that metal has its roots in blues rock and we know where blues came from and we know where rock and roll came from. It comes from black music anyway. I mean, metal is predominantly, you know, outwardly very, um, it's very, got, got a European front to it. Um, and by that, you know, statistically, you're going to have more white people in metal bands. But the fact that it's, you know, a lot of uh, people in metal bands will acknowledge that it comes from uh, a black background. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange ground when you've got um, white supremacists in, uh, in that genre of music. Yes, like people like Varg. Good old Varg. Good old mm. Varg. Oh, well. I oh, mean, well, and... <laughs> Someone, someone's going to be a villain in this saga, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be uh, angels. We kind of uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's not even funny, but the thing is, you, you see it so often that you, you either laugh or cry, and you, I've done plenty crying about it, so, yeah, these people are not going to ruin anyone's lives. No, they're Any- not. And also, and also, you have, like... Because of the expansive nature of metal, you have some really amazing, well, black people in metal, yourself included. Um, well, uh, I think, uh, I, I want to say Manuel Gagnon uh, from Zealand Ardor um, was, was yeah. quite amazing. Yeah. Um, 
everyone else who I have on my podcast uh, for the block because you're all just amazing. And the one that always blows my mind, ice tea and body count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who'd have, who'd have thought years ago that uh, that would happen? Insane. Yeah. I know, it's just like, yeah, no, the, the gangster rapper also has a hardcore band that are actually kick-ass, and it's yeah. just a thing that's happening. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful to see it. I mean, it's, I think, to be honest, metal just allows you to express musically something that you otherwise couldn't in other genres. And I think that can be said for, for any genre. Same with hip-hop as well. You know, there's, there's a certain something that you can get out and get off your chest when you rap about it that you can't do when you're singing about it. I think the closest thing to rapping about something, you know, emotionally speaking is probably screaming. Um, and I guess that's why, you know, a lot of rap uh, and metal goes hand in hand, depending on the band, I guess. Oh yeah, but, true. That, yeah. And also you have some um, combinations of genres that are always, like a weird left turn that works like skin red like reggae metal is something that i never thought would work but it works so well mm, i couldn't believe the first time i heard skin red. um and i've been impressed with everything they've released since since i first heard them years ago i think i was probably must have been around 2000 at the time as well that's really good i mean with me um I had heard Skindred when I was at uni, but I saw them uh, at my first ever download. And I actually have a signed Skindred. Well, I, I have the Zimbabwean fa- flag signed by the Skindred members. Nice. That's, yeah. that's perfection. Yeah, no. It, and one of the guys actually recognized it, which was amazing to me. I was just like, this is so great. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's really, yeah, really cool. Now, they seem to be lovely guys as well. They've got like quite an active online presence. Um, yeah. and they take the time to speak with their, their followers and fans, so that's it's definitely credit where due. Indeed, man. Indeed it is. Yeah, no. Uh, so, um, as we ended up well, touching on you getting into, well, heavier music through the influence of your dad, um, did you ever try to uh, introduce your dad to some of the heavier stuff? I did. You know, I, um, you know, I was probably about 15 at the time, so yeah. at this point, um, you know, I'd been to Pantera. Um, I since then started listening to uh, to other stuff. You know, I kind of went backwards in time, started listening to like Black Sabbath, um, the Tony Iommi stuff. Um, I started listening to like, yeah, I started listening to all sorts of stuff. Um, I think at the time there was there was such an influx of like stuff coming out Mudvayne, I got really into them as well um but yeah I, I tried to get my dad to listen to who did I try and get him to listen to Papa Roach I think he enjoyed them um yeah loads of stuff loads of stuff I just tried to like not play him songs that had like cursing and swearing in because that was a no-no in in my household growing up uh-uh. yeah no I understand that I mean with me um <laughs> So there are two funny ones uh, where I ended up basically I I, I got into the um, system of burning discs um, when I was younger because we used to well have um, 
we didn't have Bluetooth in my in my mother's car back then, so I just basically make compilation discs. And yeah. she really ended up liking um, what you call it, um, Lincoln Park, um, Breaking the Habit. She really liked mm-hmm. that song. But the one that I found the funniest was her singing along to "Roses" by Outcast, especially the swearing bits at the end. <laughs> and this is a lady who's like this conservative African lady who goes to church. I'm like, I did not expect you to like this. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredible what music does to people, right? <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing. I was like, I'm enjoying this. This is my happy place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, seeing seeing parents let loose is is a deep joy. It really is. It's just amazing. But yeah, um, so since we're t- still talking about music, um, as we've already said, we have the connection in the tech community, and I'm always interested to find out how people ended up finding out about tech fest because it's a festival that's really near and dear to my heart i do work for them that is something that i will say so i'm slightly biased there but yeah <laughs> always interested to see how you got into that so um it's a strange one i mean my band nishima was was formed seven years ago um and it's gone through a little bit of an evolution since it started out um but when we when we started out, there was uh, one of the founding members, Callum, uh, was a, a big fan of, of tech metal. And I, I kept trying to explain to Callum the kind of sound that I wanted for you know, the guitars and the, the relationship with the vocals. And it was like, oh, yeah, you mean like like gent or like, you know, prog metal riffs. I was like, oh, I don't know, but that's the kind of sound that I, I think would be really cool. So he was like, well, man, this is the kind of stuff I listen to. So he got me into like Tesseract and Monuments, all of like the gateway stuff, um, uneven structure, Sky Harbor, and then literally like we we got a few songs together, and then we started jamming, and then there's a lovely promoter in in Glasgow, who's um, renowned for being a good promoter, a guy called Jonathan Almond, um, and he got us our second show. Uh, supporting Sky Harbor and to actually see, you know, that genre of music performed at that standard um, for me, showcasing that was incredible. So that's what got me into to tech metal. And then um, you mentioned Simon Garrett earlier, who runs Tech First. He was kind enough to have my band uh, perform in 2015 at the after show party. And uh, we stayed there for the weekend and it was just incredible, Uh, incredible bands and uh, a lovely scene to be a part of. And now, um, you know, like I I mentioned earlier, I run a a radio show for Total Rock and a lot of the bands that I play on there, it's predominantly tech metal. A lot of the bands that are performing this year and performed last year uh, regularly played on the show. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I, I, I do always see you uh, posting about the bands that you're going to be playing. And you, uh, one of the recent shows, you said uh, you said you're going to be playing uh, some good friends of mine, Archeon, who, like, mm. okay, so, Ivion, to me, I want to get him here because I, I, I spoke to him after they released that new song. But the whole idea of, you know, we're going to release a song and a Game Boy emulator as well. That was just genius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're just, uh, they, they just always seem to be up for the banter as well. Like, 
like I, I met the guys, what, a couple of years ago now, 2019 um, at TechFest. And they're just, they're just all lovely, down to earth and just game for a laugh. And, you know, it, you can hear it in the music, uh, the creativity and the fun. Oh, yeah, no, you definitely can. Although, uh, side note, uh, you say that you, are you still in Glasgow now then? I'm not. So I've actually, weirdly, never lived in Glasgow. Uh, I moved up to Scotland 16 years ago. I lived in Perth for a while. I moved out to a little village about 15 uh, 15 miles west of here. And I moved back to Perth. I had a short spell living just north of Glasgow. Um, And eventually it'd be nice to to get closer to the city again. But uh, no, I've, I've never lived in Glasgow, weirdly. The rest of my my guys do, but <laughs> but no, sadly not. Yeah, so um, the reason that I ended up asking you uh, if you're living in Glasgow is because I have a very fun Glasgow story of my own. Um, yeah, so the story, it, it it happened in 2001, I think. Yeah, it was 2001. So it's the first time that me and my brother are coming to the UK ever. Uh, we're visiting our mother in December. So bear in mind, in December in Zimbabwe, it's summer. It's about 25, 26 to 30 degrees. It's sunny with a cool breeze, which is just great. And then she takes us here. So um, we get here. We think that it's all good. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I just need to go to Croydon first to sort out my visa. And then we can get going. Like, okay, we're just seeing London. It looks amazing. It's the first time that we're out of the country. And then after that, we then end up uh, basically uh, getting on a coach from Victoria to Glasgow. And it is just cold as fuck. Right? Yeah. And then once we finish and then we get to Glasgow and, and then we're just like, Wait, what? <laughs> I've never <laughs> felt like this before. And then she takes us to where she was living called Mary Hill. And I'm sure you've heard that place before. Uh, yeah, I know, Mary. Yeah, it's one of the, the joys, the joys of, of Scotland. Oh, yeah. Like to those people who don't know Mary Hill, it's in, in, in Glasgow. It, it's a kind of back then. It was a rough neighborhood. I don't know what it's like nowadays, but it was just um, anyway. Pardon? Plenty of character. Oh yeah, no. Um, the time that we and I remember the, the things that I just remember from my trip in in Glasgow was it was really cold. I did not see that many black people, and when we were leaving for us to go get the plane to come back, there was a riot happening outside the flat, and somebody was throwing a Molotov cocktail. Jeez, oh, why? I I was I was like. 10 at that point so i don't remember what was wow. happening but yeah no she was popping off <laughs> to put it mildly yeah Molotov cocktails are not usually used oh. when things are calm you don't drink them either no 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 they are mainly known for throwing to yeah. stir things on fire yeah. yeah so um i've been to scotland since uh, edinburgh and glasgow love the places but yeah no my first <laughs> exposure was not ideal, we'll put it that way. Yeah, a lot's changed, to be honest, in in, in Glasgow in particular. Um, Glasgow over the last, in particular, twenty years, like the Gorbals, uh, has undergone like a massive 
uh, change. Uh, I know a few people that have worked in like uh, projects, uh, youth projects, uh, in some of the uh, less fortunate areas of Glasgow, and um, you know the changes that have undergone within the communities themselves, not just the architecturally, uh, has been quite astounding. You know, with uh, working with potentially kids that could have been, you know, in gangs, etc. It seems to definitely have. Um, stopped any kind of negativity well not all of it but most of the negativity in its tracks which is is really encouraging yeah and it's quite interesting that you mentioned that because basically um so uh this would actually be a good tangent to go on i watch a lot of akala as i think most most of the people who listen to this do mm-hmm. and if you don't like listen to akala his music is amazing but him talking is just great because it's not often that you get a grime artist who also has a PhD because the guy just had to do that, didn't he? <laughs> but um, he was talking, I think, and he always brings this up as a point about the whole phrase used a lot about, you know, black on black knife crime. And then he's like, but why are you calling it that? Because knife crime existed in a lot of places like Glasgow. There was a lot of knife crime as well, but because changes were implemented that ended up helping people, those things ended up being, well, those things ended up reducing because at the end of the day, I think most people, when they tackle a lot of, well, crime and other, well, societal ills, they they kind of deal with, well, the symptom and not the root cause, in yeah. essence. Yeah. Because um, in criminology, there is, uh, well, in sociology and criminology, there's a term called criminogenic. So a criminogenic environment is an environment that enables crime to happen. And usually it is a lot of, well, socioeconomic factors that end up playing a part in that, like being disenfranchised, not seeing that you have many opportunities. And so that ends up propelling to, well, people getting into crime because that's what they see is one of the few avenues that they can actually earn money in this wonderful world of capitalism. Uh, And so um, by just you know, trying to arrest people and trying to deal with it that way, you're not really tackling the main root cause that's causing all of this. And it is a thing that you see not only here in the UK, but also in the US. And it's uh, something that um, I was watching. um, Yeah, this is going to be just so weird for people who are listening because we started recording on Tuesday and now we're finishing this on Friday. (laughs) So (laughs) this is going to really mess with people yeah so um yesterday i was i i had to go somewhere for for work uh hence the whole breakdown that happened we will touch on these st- situations a bit later but um so i was in the hotel and i was watching this uh documentary about the disappearance of elisa lam yeah. uh, at the cecil hotel yeah and the one of the things that ended up um getting to me while i was watching it is the fact that in los angeles a place where you have Hollywood and you have opulence that is on a grand scale. You have an area called Skid Row where you have 8,000 to 10,000 homeless people living there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they've just been left there by themselves and no one seems, I mean, people are trying, but the state doesn't seem to be doing as much as they can should be an indictment against how, us as a society end up treating people who are disenfranchised because they, they end up saying that, well, because of, well, those um, factors, it's a very crime heavy part of Los Angeles and everything else. And I'm just like, well, you, the, the people are disenfranchised and they don't have much for them. And so how would you expect them to survive? Mm. And yet also people will speak out against socialism and say that that's a bad thing whilst also 
looking at the problems and wondering why they're so big a problem. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> I think for most people, when they end up hearing the word socialism, they end up thinking about, well, um, Soviet Russia, but we have yeah. seen, yeah, uh, and China, but we've seen now that there are ways that people have tried to implement socialist policies in, well, a capitalist environment, and it works because the present issue that we have right now, in my viewpoint, some people might argue, please feel free to contact me. I'm sure you know how to. Um, it, the problem that I feel that we have is that capitalism is running unregulated and rampant. Yes. Yes. And with with that being the case, it ends up leading to people accumulating vast amounts of wealth and that wealth not actually trickling down and helping people. And then you get... Um, the older generation at times saying that why are the younger generation just so angry and moaning about things? It's like, because things are very, very much different. Mm. And because nowadays you have so many people that are starting things without thinking about the far reaching implications of what might happen next. And I always find it funny that I end up bringing up Facebook because though I use the platform every day because I am involved in the music industry, I am running a podcast, these are things that I cannot really deny, and I have family that are in other places in the world and I need a way for me to contact them. I also accept that when it comes to social media, there are a lot of things that they just started businesses without thinking about the far-reaching implications, and that is why they now have Nick Clegg was a former UK PM, uh, former UK deputy PM as a quasi spin doctor dealing with their global affairs because now they're starting to see that we need to start fully planning ahead for what might end up being an issue. Like what happened in Myanmar, like what happened on the 6th of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do get a bit like lost in my time as I do no, apologize. No, no, it's it's uh, it's important issues to talk about. I think I think the, like you say, the problem is people get so wrapped up thinking about you know. It, I think knowing a little bit of history is a dangerous thing. The um, same with anything. A little bit of knowledge on any subject can be a very dangerous thing, um, especially if you're willing to be outspoken about it. Um, when it comes to socialism, obviously there's been some real faux pas. Um, there's been some absolute disasters with it, uh, but at, at its root, it it cares for the whole population. Um, it, it's it's something that is is supposed to to, to be caring for an, an entire demographic. Um, socialism in 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 action in a uh, capitalist environment, I would definitely say that that Scotland is a good um, example of that. Um, we live obviously Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, and the United Kingdom is isn't you know England in particular isn't a socialist country. It's very much conservative, um, you know, and its form of government doesn't want to be socialist. But um, the limited powers that have been given to the Scottish government to run. Uh, the country up here when it comes to healthcare and education in particular um you know the the policies that that are in hand are very socialist and and the people up here vote for that constantly so um so yeah it, you know we seem to be all doing okay up here i mean there are we do have issues uh, in scotland um speaking as a an English man who lived up here 16 years ago, um, I would say it does have its issues, although not on the same scale as what I witnessed personally. That's not to say that it's not the same or worse than than what I had living in a, a middle-class area of England. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I think it'll be quite interesting, and I might just check this up uh, after we're finished to see the statistics of food banks between England and Scotland. Yeah, yeah. It's. I know that um, you know we do have food banks up here. Um, it, it is a thing, and um, people are very active. Businesses are very active in in uh, catering for. I say catering for that, but making sure that you know if there's food waste and stuff that needs to to go to the right places, they'll do so. It's just a shame that we're in a position where we live in a society that that is happening, um, especially in such a um, a well off. Um, country such as the United Kingdom. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, um, usually when people, especially, well, people from my background end up thinking about the UK, if we were to try to tell them that this is happening, they would be quite surprised and shocked, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Those are not the things that are conjured up, but I could say the same thing about America and places like Skid Row, because when you hear about uh, things like that, you do not end up expecting it to be like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame, and the these things people are always willing to blame uh, the, the wrong things. People look in the wrong places to assign blame, and uh, that's that's a shame. Lack of education. It is, but I was about to say, what can we do? But we can do things about this because if we start being defeatist and start accepting that nothing can be done, that's when we are losing. Yes, hundred percent. We can, you know, try and share the positivity and and uh, things that, that that we've witnessed personally, that we've experienced, that we've read about. You know, there's there's a lot more positive. You know, we we are moving forward, if slowly. <laughs> yeah, um, bit by bit. <laughs> it's like when you hear people say, you know. Uh, Oh, you know, we need to take things step by step, especially when we're talking about, you know, the acceptance of of black people, for, for instance, or people of color in general. Um, you know, people say, oh, yeah, it's one step at a time, step by step. And, y- you know, deep down what they're really saying is we're just not quite ready for you, <laughs> you know, and uh, and that's that's a shame in itself because um, it just shows an inherent uh racist attitude doesn't it but yeah yep that is true so uh we're gonna move uh back to music and back to nicer things because people have been like oh this is quite heavy although it's I'm, sure heavy. Used to it. yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> oh no i'm the one who started it by me just you know like you you just said that scotland you just said that scotland has gotten better and i just ended up saying by the way people <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> politics you can, you can edit that out if you want <laughs> oh no i won't i won't this is staying in no 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 no. this is what the people come for so um back to music um hmm. we we're talking earlier about techfest and you were telling me about how you got into techfest and so i'm always interested especially with people who've been to techfest what's your favorite techfest experience um i have a couple um so Voices from the Fuselage. I watched them. They were one of the first bands that I watched at Techfest, and it was just a it was a really beautiful experience because obviously Ash has got an incredible voice. Um, I think Techfest in general just surprised me um, because when you're watching a band, you expect a certain kind of vibe from a from a festival crowd, don't you? Um, yeah a certain kind of uh what's the word um uh 
an aggressiveness, you know, especially in the pit, you expect that aggressive kind of, uh, you know, pent up aggression and you want to let it out in the pit and, you know, and in a positive way. But at Techfest, it, although there's, you know, there's obviously a bit of moshing goes on, it's not, there's no negative vibe from anyone that, that I've experienced. I mean, people are people, humans do silly things and, and horrible things. But, you know, at Techfest in particular, I've, I've never experienced, um, any form of negativity on a personal level. Um, yeah, just lovely. Just a very together, almost <laughs> cult-like <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, other bands. Pliny was amazing to watch. Um, I think, do you know what? The, the, the best experience at TechFest I've had is literally just walking around in the morning before the bands start and recognizing other people that you've been chatting to online for like maybe a year or more. And like, these are people that you for all intents and purposes know, (laughs) but you don't. (laughs) Um, So you're standing there chatting with this person, like you've just seen them the day before and that you've been chatting to them over the garden fence for the last 15 years, (laughs) but you've never met this person in your entire life. And yet, I think that's how it is for most people. Um, and it's just a really pleasant environment to step into. Um, yeah. Home from home. Yeah. No, that, that's true. And, and it's funny that you, you, you mentioned kind of like, you know, you jokingly say cult, but I, I have had the tendency of annoying my friends whenever I come from Texas, because I, I start telling them how good it is. And then I start jokingly say, I swear it's not a cult because I just never shut up about it. <laughs> and then I just exactly- end up just, yeah, that's exactly what someone in a cult would say. <laughs> that that is the thing. That is the thing. It's just like, why won't he shut up? But the best part is, I ended up crawling like a few friends of mine from Newmarket to actually go to TechFest, um, the last TechFest. And once they'd been there, they came back and even they would not shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not something you want to. Like when you come away from it, it's such a positive experience. Yeah. No, it is. And just the good vibes, and it's just amazing people, amazing music, and also Shmoo with his breakfast calzone, which is just the most genius thing ever. Uh-huh. I say hats off to that man. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, there's been a couple of years where I've I've thought, you know, the lineup doesn't necessarily appeal. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's years where I've not been able to get there, and it's frustrating, and, you know, at the moment, nobody's going anywhere. But looking at the lineup on some years, you think, eh, you know, some of the bands I'm not that keen on or whatever, or there's bands that you haven't heard of, but you go anyway <laughs> because you know that you're going to have fun. And then you get there and actually you end up coming away with a load of new bands and artists that you enjoy. You you come away enriched with experiences from people you've not seen for the last year, two, three years, whatever. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a staple for me. Yeah, true, true, true. And also on top of that, to people who've not been to Turkfest that are thinking about going uh, when we're allowed to go back to festivals, just a heads up, I myself have an arsenal of Nerf guns because we do that at Turkfest at times. Yes, I'm almost 30. I know that. But let me continue. Uh, <laughs> so I have an arsenal of Nerf guns and you can join us in the Nerf Wars. Oh, I absolutely will. Don't have to worry about yeah. that. No, it, it'll be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so while we're still, well, just talking about music uh, in general and everything else, um, 
am I right to say that you rap in some of your songs? Because uh, I would I would say that you rap in some of your songs, but you might say that you're not. I'm not so sure. So I, I had do. to ask on that. Yeah, yeah, yes. I do. Sorry. So, uh, um, how did you, a so a how did you get into rap? But more, how did you start to think about incorporating that into tech music? So, I mean, uh, if we go back, I think I mentioned earlier on, like on Tuesday when we started this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned like some of my influences like earlier on in my, you know, learning about what metal is. Um, Linkin Park was a band that I was very much listening to. I used to listen to stuff like the NWA, uh, Run DMC and stuff like that growing up as well. Um, a lot of 80s hip hop. So, you know, as much as I love like prog metal um, and the tech scene in general, like I, I've always kind of written, like when I first started making music, I was writing essentially R&B with, with rap. Um, and then I moved into making kind of like trance as well with really? rap. Yeah, 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 years ago. Um, and then, you know, I started really getting into metal and I was just like, you know, I really want to rap over this as well. And I'll be honest, like I, I couldn't sing for anything when I, when I first started recording music. Um, I remember being in a band when I was like 15, 16, and I actually got sacked from the band because I couldn't sing. Um, <laughs> and that was my job. Um, so, so I got sacked from the band. Um but yeah, years later, I'm I'm there like writing tunes, and I thought it'd be really cool to kind of put some rap over this, you know. And it, it was only when I f- I really got into it that other people mentioned, you know, you know, there are a couple of other bands that do this, um, you know, bands like Hacktivist, uh, DVSR. Um, so it was quite encouraging to see that other people are doing this kind of thing, um, and I guess what I tried to bring to the table was the fact that there are emotions that I can't get out when it comes to just singing. I need to, to wrap those things. So that's, that was the inlet for me. Yeah, oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah. No, and, and I like it the way that you actually melt like, well, everything together. And I wish that more people would be doing it, but, but then again, that is the thing that people underestimate how hard it is to rap. Dear God, I know I've tried, and so uh, I say props to you, man. It's really Thank cool. You. It's it's been a, you know, this band's been a real work in progress. Um, it's had so when we first started out, um, it was a completely different band to what it is now, and we've had a couple of members uh, come and go. Um, but it, I think it's really kind of contributed to how the band has changed for the better over time you know the influences that that were initially there at the start haven't gone away at all um you know it's just that things have grown slightly as as we've gone on and um i'm just really looking forward to releasing our new material probably next year or later this year if i'm honest um it's uh different let's put it that way (laughs) okay i am looking forward to that that should be quite fun. Uh, so um, we're going to now move on to two topics that we spoke about personally, and I thought that they would be quite interesting to go into on this podcast because uh, one is kind of like a shared thing in a way, but the other one is quite different. And so I'll start with the heavy one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we've had conversations about this beforehand, and I've seen you posting about this on um, Facebook, uh, but 
due to your public profile being the lead singer in a metal band, you've unfortunately encountered some racism along the way. Like, how's that? I don't even know how to, like, ask a question on that because that's quite a shitty thing that happens, dude. Like, yeah. It's a strange thing. So, I mean, I I used to be quite a... um quite a quiet person let's put it that way um i you know i would have a voice on certain subjects and not on others um and a lot of that's due to my my upbringing which i'm sure you know there's questions will come to in a bit but um when it comes to to racism it's something that i've always been uh you know i've always been quite hot on calling it out (laughs) let's put it that way uh but yeah i mean i've never you know, being a person who who has um, you know a white father and a, a and a black mother, I I'm in a position where I I don't see any I see color obviously, but I don't see any negative when I look at anybody. But clearly, there are people that look at black people or people of color, and they see an object that they detest in some way, shape or form. And the way I deal with that is that I will, when something arises on social media, for example, I'll just start asking questions as to why they feel the way they do. And I'll allow the person to almost talk themselves around to make it obvious that actually they're just racist. They just hate me or they hate, blackness or they hate um black people or people of color for their own reasons that are purely discriminatory um that's the way i deal with it what i what i get out of discussing uh, uh racism with racist people is that moment at the end of the conversation where they realize what they are and yet they still close the conversation down by swearing at you and uh, signing it off with some kind of racist nonsense. That's what I get uh, out of it. <laughs> like, um, so, uh, no, no, no that, that is true, and it should be confronted. And yeah. I wanted to bring up um, the incident that you spoke to me about. That yeah. Yeah. Is it okay if I talk about it? Of course, of course, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So um, you were telling me about when you were... Um, doing an online festival at a festival that we will not talk about because the festival itself was not a fault and we do not want to uh, denigrate their name due to some people who are in attendance who ended up being well pieces of shit, really. Mm. Uh, I swear way more than I do on this podcast in real life. <laughs> that's, that's a lie. Work joy is very different. But yeah, so, um, but no, you were saying that while the stream was happening, people, there, there was somebody who was just throwing around the N-word, wasn't there? Yeah, so there was uh, there was somebody. Uh, so we 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 performed um, we performed at an uh, an online festival, um, and it was lovely. It was really lovely to be involved, and always want to be involved. Um, and this was something that was brought to my attention actually by one of the admins. Um, so you know, it was in hand and it was caught before it went online. Um, but you know, things that people don't, these are things that people don't see. So, you know, and it, this isn't an isolated incident. This has happened to me in the past at, um, gigs that I've played as well 
in the physical sense. But there were online comments um, like "All Lives Matter," and then I got I received messages from the same person uh, using the N word. Um, it yeah, it's it's just it's completely uncalled for. I mean, the, there was there was no provocation, racial provocation from my standpoint. Um, literally, what was on that that stream was me performing music with my band, um, and yet the person took the opportunity to uh, to have a, a pop at me personally on a racist level. Yeah, and and that is the thing because I remember there was the, the reason that I, I I thought to bring this up basically, and uh, it was well mainly to highlight that these things happen when everything started uh, kicking off last year, and um, musicians started well bringing up their own stories. I remember there was this musician from this band I forgotten who it was, but he ended up saying that I've not re- experienced racism, so it doesn't exist in this community, and it's just like. Mm. Your your experience is not monolithic to everyone else's experience. That's just yeah. you not really being fully insightful, and you don't get to say that because I've not experienced this. It doesn't exist. It, um, yeah, yeah. It becomes problematic when you've got uh, particularly black artists, or um, you know, I remember um, Tommy Vexed from Bad Wolves last year came. That's out. a guy. That's a guy. Yeah, it came out and and said. Um, that he talked about the thin veil of racism that doesn't exist. Unquote. That was that was the quote from um, from his long spiel, which involved all kinds of conspiracies that were going on in America. Um, but he he said that racism isn't uh, isn't a problem. He, he alluded to the fact that uh, that Black Lives Matter is a is a bad um, movement. He wasn't even talking about the organisation. He was talking about the movement and that the protests were unnecessary. Um, also it has to be pointed out that a lot of these people, you know, these, uh, you know, black people that will say things like that are also massive advocates for law enforcement as well, uh, for one reason or another. And, and let, you know, I'll be the first one to say that, you know, the law is an important thing and the law should be abided by, um, and people should be respected and, you know, that kind of law should be upheld, um but when the when law the law is when law enforcement officers are not enforcing the law but their own personal uh discriminations then they shouldn't be a representative of the law but yeah that's that's basically the the size of what um what was being discussed by that one particular person there's been various um uh what can we say uh, celebrities of color <laughs> that have come out and said uh, various things um, that have been problematic, let's say, for the whole uh, community of black people worldwide. When, when really they're just giving their own personal account of how their privileged stance in society has been with their with their finances and the way that they're treated with their position as a celebrity. You see, Liam, I don't know what you're talking about. Who is Candace Owens? <laughs> she, uh, I've never heard of her before. Never. 
Candy Collins is an interesting one. You see, you've got to be careful about what you say about people because, you know, the moment you start giving opinions on people is the moment you get hit with getting sued. But um... <laughs> That's why I said, who is Candace Owens and who are the Hodge twins? That is all I will say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think it's just very important to acknowledge that when people are being discriminated against, it's important for people who are in a position of being known, socially speaking, and they come under that demographic, not to not to, to say that it's nonsense, but to stand by the people in that community. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame when people will, will literally just discredit people's struggle to forward their own selfish means. Oh, no, that's true, and... When when everything was happening last year, I I ended up having friends who were well coming to me and then asking questions and everything else. And one of the things that I I will always bring up at any point, especially when it comes to America, when people when people end up saying that you know, <clears throat> oh yeah, no, this is just because of George Floyd or anything else like that. I I will always just bring up Tamir Rice, a twelve year old who had a toy gun who was shot down by police. Mm-hmm. And what world can you end up trying to justify that? If you can fully end up saying that, or maybe you shouldn't have been playing with a toy. It's a 12-year-old boy. It's a yeah. 12-year-old child. Many children do that in the street. Yeah. it's um, but, Yeah. There's no justification for it. Um, the, the problem is, is, is just, it's a, inherent discrimination that's there that people have um and you know they made the the, those officers made the judgment call to 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 end his life um due to their own discriminations uh there have been plenty of instances where there have been uh children who weren't were not black um you know who have been playing with toy guns that haven't been murdered but uh you know you, if you're if you're black and you're playing with a toy gun, or if you're wearing a ski mask and you're walking home from work, you know, or you know, literally sitting in your own own car, God forbid, you're uh, you are a target for um, for losing your own life. Oh yeah, no, that's true. And um, so I, I just had a thought as well, just talking about policing in America, just a bit of uh, something that. Um, a bit, a bit of history that people might not end up knowing. Have you heard of the TV show called The Shield? Uh, yeah, it was a few years ago, right? Yeah. 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 So The Shield is basically this TV show where you have these police officers that are just basically corrupt, and then they just, be, um, well, killing uh, fellow police officers. They do dealing in drugs. They're doing all of this kind of shady things, stealing money, etc., etc., etc. The funny part is it's actually based on a real-life scandal that happened. <laughs> really? I, I, I had no Oh, yeah, the LPD. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Because, again, I'm a nerd who just basically spends most of his time accumulating information and... What else are you gonna do when you're home, <laughs> like by yourself? Yeah, I was. So there's this guy who I follow, who's been dissecting TV shows, um, basically that are based on policing and having a look at them. He did a really good one on the Shield, on on uh, the Wire, but also a good one on the Shield. And 
the shield was based on the rampart uh, scandal that ended up involving a um a, a, they were called the crash team which was community resources against street hoodlums yeah yeah and there is a i'm just reading you now from the wikipedia article um uh let's see yeah um i'll just read you the top part so that people get it up uh, the rampant scandal uh scandal involved uh widespread police corruption in the crash by uh, the community res- resources against street hoodlums anti-gang unit of the lapd rampant division in the late 1990s more than 70 70 police officers either assigned to or associated with the rampage crash unit were implicated in some form of misconduct making it one of the most widespread cases of documented police corruption in u.s history responsible for a long list of offenses including unprovoked shootings unprovoked beatings planting false evidence stealing and dealing narcotics bank robbery, perjury, and covering up of evidence of these activities. Hmm. I wonder, yeah. I wonder what sentences have they got for those things? Oh, um, funny you mentioned sentences. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, it, it's... Uh, this... Okay, so... The reason that I say that it's funny you should mention sentences is because one time me uh, and my housemate we were watching, we were watching something. I forgot what we were watching, and I ended up telling him about. I, I think we're watching the Bernie Madoff uh, documentary or, or the the Bernie Madoff uh, movie. Just we caught it halfway through, and I then ended up explaining what Bernie Madoff ended up doing, and we ended up realizing that, um, a Bernie Madoff has more years in convictions than most of the people who've been indicted by the ICC, which is the International Criminal Courts. Mm-hmm. And B, most of those people are not of Western origin who are in, who have been indicted by the ICC. I think maybe Slobodan Milosevic might have been convicted. I need to double check on that one. But yeah, just interesting things you find out. Yeah. It's mad what you find out when you start digging, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. I should have really gone into journalism. <laughs> yeah. But um so we've spoken about um the aspects about racism because I thought that would be a really good one to bring up. But we also spoke about something that um my myself and you that we kind of share, which is that we are both quote unquote lapsed Christians in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to those of you who don't know, which is most of the people listening, I'll start off on my own part and then I'll go to Liam. Uh, when I was in Zimbabwe, I was very heavily into the church. Um, I used to give sermons in church. I was part of a acapella boys quartet thingy group. Uh, I was doing alto at that point because my voice was still not broken. And I used to be part of a church choir. And then Things changed at some point, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can imagine you in a in a church choir. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it does make sense, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, no, that's just one random thing that happened. Well, but no, with you, vibes. yeah, but no, with, with you though, Liam, you were you were a Jehovah's Witness, weren't you? Yeah, I I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness from birth. Yeah, what was that like? Um. I was raised in a loving family. Um, so the, the only members of my, my physical biological family are my, my mum and dad. And 
So I, I was raised from, you know, from birth in that religion. I was encouraged to look at other religions as well. Um, however, the organization uh, known as Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't encourage, they encourage you to look at other religions, but when you're looking for information on that religion in particular, they will always encourage that you don't look at the internet for further information or look outside their own publications. Um, which to me always seemed like a very strange thing to say because they would always encourage you to to look up information on other religions from as many sources as possible. Um, in doing so, obviously, you always, you're always going to find negativity about, about any subject if you look at it from as many sources as possible. But if you are if you're looking at information from only one source uh, about um, about the Jehovah's Witness religion, that being their own outlet, then you're never going to find any ne- negativity. Uh, so, you know, I was I was raised um, in that religion. My my brain was washed entirely clean in the Lord um, <laughs> and, until my I was in my mid twenties. I was invited to a ministerial training school. At that point, I was already um giving discourses and talks um across different places in scotland um and down in england as well um so i went on this course and i was assigned to a congregation um in which um you know the the job is to basically help to look after the congregation and those within it almost like social work you could say um and like any kind of congregation in any religion, it had its its problems, it had its joys. Um, but um, yeah, it, it there, were, there were doubts that I had about the religion based on some of the more modern publications that they would release that were that were very specific um, to, about certain things to the point that they were adding to. And in my opinion, taking away from what the Bible actually taught, um, you know, and that's, that was my opinion. Um, and I believe it's the opinion of a lot of people that have in recent years left the Jehovah's Witness religion as well. It's an ever changing religion. Um, in the last 20 years, they've changed their opinions on many, many things, um, from, um, their stance on, uh, the United Nations, for example, they used to, wait what? Yeah, so the Jehovah's Witness religion used to teach, and I believe to some extent they still do, that the uh, that one of the wild beasts of Revelation, in fact, the image of the wild beast, ah, uh, yeah, is, is representative of the United Nations, which is the world empire, uh, which is the which is uh, politics, on which the the figure of Babylon the Great, who's supposed to be a, a prostitute. Uh, she rides this beast, um, and they say that that prostitute is representative of false religion. Um, so they say that any religion that has involvement with the United Nations is a false religion, according to God. Now, it came out, I think, in two thousand and one. It might, I might be getting the year wrong, but the Guardian newspaper reported that they uh, uncovered that the, the Jehovah's Witnesses had a non-governmental entity agreement with the United Nations. <laughs> so, so by default at that point, um, that organization was classed, you know, if you're going to class religions as being false and, you know, in the eyes of God, 
and yet you're going to do that, then what does that make you? You know, I mean, by default, they made themselves a religion that was unclean um, as far as God was, their God was concerned. At that point, I was still part of the religion, and I only learned about this a few years ago. So, you know, they, they do a very good job of, of telling their, um, you know, people within the religion not to, you know, even if you're being used as a minister, they'll, they'll keep all this information from you. Um, and there's there's various other things. I mean, there's there's ongoing court cases all the time um, about child abuse um, oh. from people within the organization. So it's it's a religion. I mean, every religion has its problems. Let's let's be blunt about that. Every Yep. Every single religion has it has its issues, um, but for me, um, that religion became very problematic for me personally because my moral compass um, wouldn't allow me to be part of it anymore. But at the same time, I was also going through um, I was going through a, a hard. A relationship, uh, a marriage, um, and a situation that um, basically it all um, ended up with me no longer being married and no longer being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And I am have I have to say I am happier than I ever was, apart from the fact that I no longer have a relationship with my parents. I I. I I wish I could pick the phone up and speak to them. But one of the key things with Jehovah's Witnesses is that um, when you are disfellowshipped or if you disassociate yourself from the religion, then, you know, if you were baptized within it and you know, and you know what the religion is all about and then you leave it, then you, um, you leave everything that was, that is also inside that religion when you go. So that includes my parents and as much as, you know, my, my dad always would say to me, whatever happens, you're my son. Um, that doesn't apply anymore and hasn't done since I left eight years ago, really. So it's a shame, but the door is always open and I hope that they wake up from it one day. Damn, man. Sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. <clears throat> I didn't know that with Jehovah's Witnesses, they were that way. It kind of sounds like Scientology. So the the religion has been compared to Scientology in various ways. Um, the, the the belief system of Jehovah's Witnesses is essentially Christian. Um, the only the only real differences between mainstream Christianity and Jehovah's Witnesses is that they don't believe in the Trinity. So they believe that you know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They believe that there is only one God, and that is the God the Father. Um, and the son is is Jesus, um, but he, Jesus isn't equal to to God um, because he's God's son. Um, Jesus, you know, he um, prayed to his God in the Garden of Gethsemane, so he couldn't have been praying to himself. So, you know, they basically they don't worship Jesus, but they aim to live a life like Jesus, which is why they claim to still be Christian. Um, but they worship the Hebrew uh, God of, of the uh, Old Testament, um, Yahweh. The Yahweh, or you know, as transliterated into English, would be Jehovah. So you know, in some countries uh, they yeah. use the term Yahweh, and they do use openly the word Yahweh, and accept that that is you know, in Hebrew, if you translate the, if you transliterate, I think if you transliterate the just the YHWH into more um latinized 
tongues, it would be more like JHVH. So that's why they get the um, the, the the word Jehovah rather than Yahweh. Yeah, ah. it's, uh, it's a very fine point, and I think sometimes when it comes to the finer points of religion, you can look at them all day and yet fail to see that, uh, you know, if God is love, then you don't really need to worry about anything. But if God isn't love, God isn't God, and you don't have to worry about anything anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's funny you should met you, you, you talked earlier about um, the whole UN situation, um, because... I grew up in a, well, it started off as an Anglican, well, environment, but we started, well, the church that we're going to, it started becoming more Pentecostally, revivally, evangelical. Yes. That's when the stuff started getting very spicy. And I started being introduced to some of these wild books like, when I was younger, I loved the Left Behind books and the Left Behind comic books. Now when I read them, I'm like, what was I thinking? But to those who've not read this, these is just basically um, books by somebody who's um, envisioning what the trials and tribulations will be when everyone is raptured. The rapture is not really mentioned in the Bible, by the way, people. Mm. That is literally Christian fanfic. But that's besides the point right now. Like... Yep. So um, it talks about what happens when people are raptured and everything else. And it, it's it's shocking the amount of, well, different Christian denominations that literally believe that the Pope is the Antichrist. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? it? It's wild. It's like, wait. And I was in one of those people as well. Yes. For a while when I was growing up, I thought the Pope was the Antichrist. Because that's what I've been told. I think in in you know every denomina- denomination of Christianity, they will always refer to themselves as being the truth. Um, you know, different religions talk about having the truth, um, and every other religion is bad, is evil, um, and that goes for Christianity as a whole. You know, cri- yeah, I, I've known Christians who who are Jehovah's Witnesses who would say that that uh you know other forms of christianity are evil you know or you know not even just other religions but other forms of christianity and uh, the bigotry uh with a lot of people is just unbelievable yeah but as you ended up saying every religion has its own issues some some of those that you don't know um like uh, people would be surprised to learn about this the term Buddhist extremist is actually real. And there are Buddhists who have actually killed Muslims in certain parts of the world because every religion has its own issues. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, obviously, when it comes to extremism, you can't hold the religion accountable for the extremism. A lot of these... That is true. Yeah, a lot of these extremists, they kind of, they don't even preach or they don't even listen to fundamental teachings from those religions but in the name of religion there's been all a whole manner of um extremes and uh you know christianity isn't isn't um clean of that either um, no absolutely not so it's it's something that that's gone on i think you know if even if we didn't have religion there would be another there would be another shield from which bigotry would hide behind and use for its own filth. Um, it just happens that sometimes there there are decent people that come along who teach decent things, who 
are then hijacked after their death and used for crooked means by crooked organizations. And, you know, it's a shame when you see a lot of these supposed holy people, you know, and and their, the life that they led, you know, very often they never judged anybody else on anything. They just tried to live a decent life and, and people, they were recognized by other people for it, for positive reason. And hundreds of years later, you've got uh, religions that would basically hijack that person and, and use their example as the, a poster boy or a poster woman for their uh, for their belief system, which isn't necessarily in line with what that person taught in the first place. Yeah, and it's quite sad because that's never really what, what the intention was, but then their message has now been twisted to further other people's agendas. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're going to shift pivot from a very heavy topic, which is religion, because <laughs> why not talk about everything that would just make people slightly pissed off <laughs> and move on? <laughs> we're going back to music now, because it's like, I think people are now seeing the, 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 the ebb and flow. It's like music, something light, a heavy topic. Mm. Music is something light heavy topic mm. and now we're going to music and something light um you we've already spoken about well um you being in metal and rapping and everything else but what genre do you uh like that people will be surprised that you're into i like all kinds of stuff i mean i, I just a few weeks ago i put up a, a status saying it's about time that aqua brought another album <laughs> And I'm down for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've just followed them on TikTok because because uh, why not? You know, they're still busy, active, doing something. So, you know, and I think I actually I, I commented on one of their videos from my band's account saying, when are we going to get another album? <laughs> so, uh, so I absolutely love that, you know, and... I don't know, like a few weeks ago, I found myself listening to Alexander O'Neill. Um, I was listening to his stuff just on, you know, I was just streaming it and just letting it play. Um, I have a real thing about silky smooth voices. So, ah, yeah. so you know, I, I'm a big fan of like, of like Alexander O'Neill. I'm a big fan of like Lionel Richie, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Huey Lewis and the News. You know, it's just, you know, I love all that kind of stuff. And, um, and th- I think it's played a massive influence in, in my singing, uh, part of my music, but yeah, I'll, I'll listen to, to, to most things as long as it's got a, a, a good melody. I'm absolutely there. Have you heard of Gregory Porter? Yes. Man, that guy is just, ah. Oh. Yeah, I missed the opportunity to see Gregory Porter a few years ago in Perth. He was um, playing at the concert hall, and um, I really wish that I'd gone. Because um, it was only after. I mean, I, I hadn't really listened to, to much of his music, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. But then after missing the opportunity, I thought, well, I saw a few people talking about it, so I'll take the opportunity to actually listen. And my mind was just blown yeah, no, he is just a talent. He is mm. just wow. That man can sing. And also, as you mentioned, Phil Collins. Uh the thing that I like about Phil Collins is the it is the meme that I always see like floating about on, on Facebook, which is like Phil Collins did not have to go that hard on the Tarzan, Tarzan. soundtrack. It's like yeah. that, that, that is true. 
Yeah, he didn't need to. I think Phil Collins is one of these guys that when he writes something, he writes something. You know, it's it's never uh, it's never half cooked, and his lyrics are quite cleverly thought out. Unless it's like Susudio, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like as, as as much as I say, um, my favorite Disney song is "Make a Man Out of You" because that is just oh. literally just a pump up tune. Two worlds for a while is it was my my go to jam, and I think yeah. it's slowly probably coming back up because the more that I listen to it, the more just the intricacies of everything. I'm like, Phil, you did not have to do this. This is this is a Disney song. Like you did not have to go this far. He is the artist that we don't deserve. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like Batman of music. Um, oh yeah, but when you're talking about make a man out of you, have you heard um, uh, Jonathan Young's version? No. So there's a so there's a, a guy that does covers of not just Disney songs, but he, I think he started out doing covers of Disney songs, like rock covers, and he's done a rock cover. And the first uh, the first one I heard was his cover of uh, Make a Man Out of You, and. I was just grinning. Like I found myself, I found myself, you know, listening and you listen to a song and I caught myself just, just grinning while listening to it. And, um, yeah, I would absolutely advise you to go and have a listen to it after, after we've done this. Cause it's just <laughs> outstanding. The video is, is also hilarious. I think it was one of his first ones. So the production's not perfect, but, um, absolutely a, a pump up tune. And, uh, the rest of his Disney covers are also astounding. I've already queued it up on my YouTube, but as we're talking about Disney songs now, um, have you seen Hercules? Yes. I won't say I'm in love. That's actually really good. Do you remember that one? Sorry, oh, sorry, I I, I didn't catch that. What are you saying? Uh, I I, I won't say I'm in love. Yeah. Do you know, Hercules is a film, like, I, I know the film... I haven't watched Hercules probably since it came out, and yes, I am old enough. Like I think I remember watching it at the cinema, yeah, um, when it came out. But I, I don't really remember many of the songs of Hercules, if I'm honest with you. Uh, it's the one that Oh no, not me. I won't say I'm in love. And then there's like the fa- the, the 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 muses in the background, and it, I I think I just like it just for the back and forth that they have. But then again. You have, I think, other movies though that have these big numbers that are, end up being uh, quite memorable, like mm. "Poor Unfortunate Souls" from yeah. Little Mermaid. Yeah, Prince Ali as well. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, have you seen uh, "Princess and the Frog"? Yes. I've got friends on the other side. Yes. Big tune. Um, Keith David with a deep booming voice and then just him just being Dr. Facilier singing that it's just mm. yeah yeah absolutely astounding that was like one of the last um, Disney animated films wasn't it like hand drawn animated I think so yeah. yeah yeah no it is but they still they're still bringing out the songs I mean uh, I'm going to say something sacrilegious about Disney songs right now Frozen yeah. Let It Go is a good song, but the storytelling in Do You Want to Build a Snowman is far superior. Yeah, I agree. And I will I fight anyone who disagrees with me on that one. Yeah, the lyrics are, are far better, and I think, yeah, it's just far yeah. more well thought out as a song. It's just it's just that chorus, isn't it, And Let It Go. It's just so easy to get into your head. 
and it's such a big chorus that it just sticks. Um, but as far as the verses are concerned, I don't think it's up there with the best of them. So which one would you, if we had to rank, which one would you go for as the best, your best Disney song then? Ah, oh, this is a real tough one because I've always, <laughs> I've always said "Man Out of You," "Make a Man Out of You" is probably my favorite. It really is good. But I have to say, every time I hear "Colors of the Wind," I do get a little bit emotional. Oh, yeah, it's it's the line where she sings, um, "You can own the earth, but still, all you'll own is earth until." Damn. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's the whole, just the whole idea of, you know, people going for world domination and colonizing and stuff. And you can keep doing that and you can keep trying to own the earth. And literally all you have is just earth. You'll just, you don't have people's hearts. You don't have um, anything of importance. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, for me, I think it's probably like one of the deepest uh, in meaning. Um and for that reason, I'll probably have to say Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, despite the fact that it's quite a problematic <laughs> problematic um, depiction of historical events. I don't know what you mean. Pocahontas was not at all... What was she, like, 14? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like in real life, yeah. I just find it, you know, it's just, it's just quite disturbing that you've got, like, a colonizer that's, like portrayed as being the hero and and the other native guy is viewed as being like a bad guy for like just like loving her yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange flex but you know I mean, <laughs> disney got away with it so yeah nobody really noticed at that point if i were lying about that yeah. ah yeah so you actually got away with that okay okay yeah. okay. That's just i mean it wasn't that long ago either let's be honest it's yeah. amazing how you know it is amazing and incredible how um how much people have kind of opened their minds to these issues and started to kind of take them seriously just in recent years so that's a comfort in itself but as a film good film and that tune is you know uh, that tune for me is is outstanding. Yeah, I I mean I think for me, it it will be the, the two that I ended up mentioning. Make a man out of you, which is just classic. And two worlds though, it's I, I'm gonna listen to that after this as well because I'm yeah. like, man, Phil Collins is good. Joy's gonna be going on a Disney binge. Oh, I'm definitely going on a Disney binge. I've had the weirdest week, of which we'll talk about that before we finish. <laughs> I I need a Disney binge and a cider. You will. Um, you'll probably find yourself falling into a into a a, a hole of um, Jonathan Young songs. If I'm honest with you, um, I'm pretty sure he's covered the song from Hercules as well and the Tarzan uh, song. But extremely good vocalist. He's done all the songs from Moana as well recently. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's he's an exceptional vocalist. He's done other covers as well um, of pop songs as well. So. Great guy. I'm not on commission or anything. Like I don't even know. <laughs> I actually played one of his songs on my on my metal show the other week. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> just just a cheeky plug. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, so um, after well, 
the next topic that I want to bring up, uh, as we've just now been fanboying over Disney, which is quite nerdy and fits right into the next segment, uh, I'd like to ask people what nerdy things that they've been doing, nerdy, geeky things that they've been doing recently. And if I recall, you said that you recently got a new Nintendo, didn't you? Hmm. Probably not the most nerdy thing I've done, actually, recently. But, yeah, I okay. did. I did. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about the other thing in a minute. So, yeah, um, I've literally had the the Wii music, the me, in particular the me music, you know, when you're creating your own character, the boom, 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 that music. I've had it stuck in my head for literally about four months now. Um so much so that I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to buy a Nintendo Wii. I've never owned one in my entire life. I don't have a Switch or anything like that. And there's just games that I want to play. You know, one of them being Mario Kart as well. So I just found myself scouring eBay, and I got, um, I just, uh, I got Nintendo Wii, and I've got like a stack of about seven games now. And you, nice. know, you know what the hilarious thing is. I've not even played it yet, <laughs> but but no, it's about to get played tonight. Um, so, like, there's been a few bits and pieces that I've needed to get, like battery packs and stuff for the controllers and all that. So now that that's that's happened, the fun can commence. Mm. What about yourself? Uh, oh, nerdy stuff that I've done recently. Mm. Um, coding. Coding, just just coding, mainly code. Well, um, yeah, coding and also reading comic books. Um, and this is actually an interesting one. I posted about it on Facebook, but some people don't help me on Facebook, so they might not know. Yeah. So, um, every Tuesday and Wednesday, I read comic books because that's when they end up being released from America. And, um, I was reading the new uh, Black Panther comic yep. book, and um, they've actually changed the language that the Wakandans use from calling Wakandan to starting to use Kosa. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pronounced different. Like some people might say Kosa or Kosa. I, I like doing the click because it's a vocal flex. So yeah, why not? Yeah. But um, so that's the language that's used in the Black Panther movie. And they use it because um, Jonathan Kani, the person who plays T'Challa, like t- uh, uh, T'Chaka, T'Challa's father, like the Black Panther's mm. uh, father. He is from South Africa. He actually is a Kosa speaker. Kosa speaker. So uh, they ended up using his own language as the language for the Wakandans. And the fact that they're using an actual language from Africa now in the comic books and in the movies as well was just amazing to me. But yeah, no, I'm reading comic books. I'm learning to code. I'm back on JavaScript again because... We shall conquer JavaScript, whether it kills us or not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? I, 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 it's it is that is a foreign language to me. Um, I've, I mean, I, I've I've done you know this web design and stuff like that, but any more than having to do a few lines of HTML is. <laughs> is just beyond me. I mean, I tried to set up a mega menu the other day because, you know, I could only go so, so far in setting up a standard menu. Um, yeah. What I wanted to do was a pop-up menu that would come up once you click a certain button, and I managed to make it work. But then on mobile, it didn't look great anyway. So I was like, well, this isn't working. But, yeah, it's. Uh, I imagine it's uh, a labor of love. Oh, it is. And because it is just learning a new language and it can be quite hard because of all the things that you need to fully understand, the rules and everything else. But I, I'm pushing through because um, 
I have a real amazing support network of um, friends and family, including my brother, who has been silent, like patiently hinting me towards learning like to code for the last, I don't know how many years. And I was like, maybe I should have been more explicit. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I have a good support network of people who po- comment when I post things and they're quite helpful. And I already have ideas of things that I want to try. So I'm going to keep on pushing through because it is quite fun, but oh boy, it's frustrating. And as I've said, trying to get a web page responsive is one of the most annoying things ever to anyone who's ever tried because it's just something most likely in CSS that's just not working. Yeah. 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 Frustration. When you've tried everything or you think you've tried everything and it still won't work the way you want it to. Yeah. It's just like, why, why won't you work? But, oh, well, we'll debug until we cannot actually stay awake yeah. and then debug more when we wake up. <laughs> so you were saying that you were um, playing Final Fantasy? Yes. Okay. So, yes, a uh, big fan of the Final Fantasy games, but one of them that really stuck out for me was uh, was uh, Final Fantasy Seven, And I've always wanted to buy a sword um for whether it be a film or or whatever like i I went through a phase of wanting all the lord of the rings swords um just to hang on the wall (laughs) with other memorabilia anyway i was on a selling page a few weeks ago and i saw this buster sword from final fantasy 7 i'm like this is this is amazing so i got it and you know it's the ratio is a little bit off, like it's not properly full size, but it's it for, for you know for the sake of it being on the wall and looking amazing, it's 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 incredible, um, and it's uh, it's you know made of foam. It's like one of these um, swords that's made to look like it's real, but it's not. Um, ah. And but I felt the paint job was a little bit off, so I actually asked uh, a few people i spoke to a couple people um that i know um about different paint finishes um how to get like it looking right etc so i took the plunge got some paints and uh repainted the whole thing and i've added like a, a new uh new like brown leather on the handle and i've aged it a little bit um and now it looks incredible. <laughs> it's really good. So, um, very nerdy. So uh, you just maybe think about something. Have you ever been to York? Yes. Okay, so um, <clears throat> have you been in the replica blade shop? No, but it sounds very intriguing. So uh, <laughs> I don't know which city planner allowed this because it's the best, worst idea ever. There's this random street down in York where on the one side you have this bar called Evil Eye that basically specializes in absinthe-infused drinks, cocktails, the works. Right opposite it is a replica blade shop with actual blades, including the Highlander sword, blade sword, buster swords, kunai, shuriken, the works. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I would be in there for hours. The thing is, as well, these things aren't that expensive. I mean, you know, you are talking like a couple hundred quid or 300 quid or whatever, depending on where you get them from. But, like, for the work, the craftsmanship that goes into it, you know, and the fact that they're actually made out of of metal, some of the, you know, the actual blades, you know, the actual, you know, full-on replicas, they're quite cheap. True. For what they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that because I'm a nerd. <laughs> nerds are fun people though. Well, most of them and we, we do have some answers in the nerd community But we tried not to talk about them um, But yeah, so uh, We're now reaching the end of the podcast And usually I'll just go into saying About some kind words You know, to say to the, the listeners However, as we have had a weird week I thought it would be nice for us to explain Why the episode is coming later onwards So do you want to start or should I? You can go first. Okay, so um, there is a reason that this episode is coming out at probably 8pm most likely when I drop this after I finish the editing and everything else and not the regular 8am on a Friday uh, because my week has been like this. Um, so we started recording on Tuesday, but then halfway through the recording, I ended up having some family issues that I had to deal with. And so we had to, well, then close uh the, the the broadcast in there and i wasn't in the right state of mind for me to actually record anything liam was quite gracious to understand that um i wasn't able to do so and then wednesday um we were both kind of busy and then thursday uh yesterday i was in st Albans in a hotel um because i have work the next day and trying to walk around with your with my rig, uh, just in a suitcase wasn't really going to work that well. So we had to do it today and we would have uh, tried to record this earlier, but I then ended up breaking down on the A1 earlier. <laughs> my car's battery just died. That's crazy. Did it die on the motorway? Like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was basically, um, I should have realized this a while ago, but what happened was I was driving down the motorway and then somebody called me because again, it's been a busy day. I, I look after a site in Cambridge, but I had to go to another site in St. Albans. So um, while something else was happening in Cambridge, I I was called about something else happening in St. Albans where I just left. I wanted the hard shoulder for me to try to answer the phone. I answered the phone and then I turn off the engine. And then when I try to turn it on, nothing. Um, have to wait for RAC, who then end up showing up. And then they just boost my engine a bit and then they my car a bit. And then they tell me to drive around Nebworth. And then when I get to Nebworth, he ends up checking. He's like, yep, nope, uh, your battery is dead. So you're going to need a new battery. Uh, so, if, so if your battery, if your car literally was working but then wasn't while you were driving it, is your alternator okay? No, the alternator is perfect. He checked. He checked everything. It's like your alternator is perfect. So we, I think it was just somehow the battery just ended up dying at the right part before the alternator got messed up too much. So oh, that makes sense. I yeah, I was lucky enough at that point. I was like, the alternator is perfect. I would just take your battery. It's 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 a new battery with a five year warranty. It's slightly pricey, but I'll take it because a I need to go home and b at least I know that this is fixed. Yes, of course. Yeah. So that was the chaotic week that I've had. Liam, why don't you talk about your chaotic week? <laughs> so our water doesn't work. Um, that's not like a euphemism or anything. Like yep. <laughs> the pipes in this flat are frozen. I live in Perth in Scotland and it's just a little bit cold at the moment. I think it was like minus 16 a couple nights ago. What the hell? Yeah. So like the pipes, I think the pipes to my flat there's a section that runs outside and that section is frozen and i was outside early with a neighbor trying to unfreeze the problem and were unsuccessful so yeah not only is it still frozen and the water doesn't work but i was frozen so um 
So now back inside. But the thing is, it's it's a little bit warmer today, and it's starting to, you know, the snow's starting to melt. So we hope that over the next few days that we'll have water back. Oh yeah, no fingers crossed for you, man. I mean, I, I think we we tend to forget at times just how cold it is and how it affects things. And I remember when I was just driving in the morning, just trying to put on my um, windscreen washer, and it's just like, oh, the fluid won't come out because everything is frozen. Mm-hmm. And like, but that is nothing compared to you because you literally do not have water. I, I, I don't even want to think I the, the, the what what they can be like because that that sounds terrible. It's it's not that great not having water, but I'll be honest with you, Scotland. I think. It gets a bad rap when it comes to the weather. People make out that Scotland's really, really cold when actually it's... I mean, it is cold at the time of year when you would hope that it would be cold. Um, and it is probably colder than you would get in most places in, in the rest of the UK. But it's also, you know, we, we've had some pretty warm summers as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily... It's not extreme. It's certainly not like Siberia. But... Um, <laughs> But you know it does get cold, and um, but not as much as people make it out. Oh yeah, and the summers are great. Um, I I went to Edinburgh for my brother's stag do, and the best thing that happened at that stag do is finding out that my brother spoke French. Oh, lovely. Okay. And you wanna know how I found out this out? He made friends with some French people and started singing the French national anthem with them as we went down the street. <laughs> Amazing. Also, you can deep fry most things in Scotland. Scotland is amazing. Mm, yeah, I mean, you could probably, like, yeah, you, you could take anything into a chippy and ask him to deep fry it. Oh, I have ideas. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, we've now reached the end of uh, the podcast itself. Do you have anything that you want to plug? I just, well, I want to thank you for a start, Joy, for having me on here. Um, it's just It's just good to talk. And I know that I ramble a little bit, so uh, so I'm grateful for you putting up with my rambles. Um, anything I want to plug? Um, I mean, on a personal level, I have my radio show. Uh, so uh, that's on Total Rock. If you go to the website, um, I have the Pit and Mix show, which is on a Monday at 8 p.m. and on a Wednesday at 8 a.m., uh, but you can also stream it um, after the event as well. There's a, a link to my mix cloud there. Um, as far as Nishima's concerned, we're working on a new album. Um, start seeing some promo for that soon um, at an undisclosed date, but I can guarantee it's the best stuff that we've written to date, and we're very proud of it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Excellent. I look forward to it. And any kind words to our listeners as we head off? Be excellent to each other, as Bill and Ted would say. <laughs> Just be nice. We live in a we live in a very complex world, and I think it's complex enough without people just being horrible to each other. If we can just be nice, uh, I think that'd help make the world spin a little bit easier. Yeah, no, true, and I echo that. Like, be nice to each other, look after each other, reach out to your friends, and also look after yourselves. Don't be too hard on yourselves, and uh, keep safe out there. Uh, the R8 is dropping as of today from what I saw. I think they say it's like between zero and zero, 0, 0. 0.7 to 0. 0.9. So, you know, we're slowly getting there, but it takes all of us to get this plague 
down to zero zero and that we can actually be out there and seeing each other in person and doing all of those fun things and from us at just conversations we thank you all for bearing with us in this rather chaotic week that we've had and we look forward to being with you all soon next week agreed okay bye-bye everyone bye